Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. I have often wondered why societal leaders are so against Christians and devout people. They're not usually the ones that are creating trouble. And and the teachings of Christ are about love and peace and prosperity and wisdom and those type of things. These things only strengthen a society, not tear it down. So when I ran across this article by Patrick Fagan of the Heritage Foundation, I had to bring it to you. It's entitled, Why Religion Matters, the Impact of Religious Practice on Societal Stability. He starts out by saying, America has always been a religious country. Quote, it's First, Christian inhabitants were only too anxious to explain what they were doing and why, explains historian Paul Johnson. In a way, the first American settlers were like the ancient Israelites. They saw themselves as active agents of divine providence. So when policymakers consider America's grave social problems, including violent crime and and rising illegitimacy and, and substance abuse and welfare dependency, they should heed the findings in the professional literature of social sciences on the positive consequences that flow from the practice of religion. For example, there is ample evidence that the strength of the family, the the lifting out of poverty, overall happiness, the formation of of personal moral criteria, and sound moral judgment, even decreases in, in a host of social problems, including suicide, drug abuse, out-of-wedlock births, crime and divorce, increases in, in longevity, chances of recovery from illnesses, and the, the lessening of instances of many killer diseases is intertwined with the practice of religion. Churchgoers are more likely to be married, less likely to be divorced or single, and more likely to manifest high levels of satisfaction in marriage. So let's look at a few things here. Religion and happiness, for instance. It turns out that the practice of religion has a significant effect on happiness and an overall sense of personal well-being. Religious affiliation and regular church attendance are near the top of the list for most people in explaining their own happiness and serve as good um, predictors of who is most likely to have this sense of well-being. Happiness is is greater and psychological when you have psychological stress the, the that stress is lower for those who attend religious services regularly. Those pursuing a personal relationship with God tend to have improved relationships with themselves and with others. A large epidemiological study conducted by the University of California at Berkeley in 1971 found that the religiously committed had much less psychological stress than the uncommitted. Rodney Stark, now of the University of Washington, found the same in a 1970 study. The higher the level of religious attendance, the less stress suffered when adversity had to be endured. Similarly, in a a uh, longitudinal study of 720 adults conducted by William David Williams of the University of Michigan. Uh, regular religious attendance led to much less psychological stress. In 1991, David Larson, uh, adjunct professor at the uh, North 
West, uh, at the Northwestern and Duke University Schools of Medicine and president of the National Institute of Healthcare Research, completed a, a systematic review of studies on religious commitment and personal well-being. Now, he found that the re- relationship is powerful and positive. Overall, psychological uh, functioning Im- improved following a, a resumption of participation in religious worship for those who had stopped, for instance. So just because you, you, you've stopped going to church or uh, ha- uh, having a, a relationship with, with Christ doesn't mean that you can't start that back up again. And now let's take a look at, at religion and family stability. Middletown, one of the, the century's classic sociological research projects, studied the lives of inhabitants of a typical American town, first in the 1920s, and then for the third time in the 1980s, based on the latest round of follow-up research by Howard Barr and, and Bruce Chadwick, uh, included in, the 19, uh, in 1985, that there is a relationship between family solidarity, family health, if you will, and church affiliation and activity. Middletown ch- churchgoer members were more likely to be married, remain married, and to be highly satisfied with their marriages and have more children. Quote, with striking consistency, the most religious among us as Americans place a greater importance on the full range of family and friendship activities, concluded a a, a Connecticut Mutual Life report in 1982. A, A group of Kansas State University professors reached the same conclusion, and yet another study concluded uh, during the, the 1970s and 80s, professors Nick Snanette of the University of Alabama and John Dufresne of the University of Nebraska sought to identify family strengths. From their nationwide surveys of strong families, they found that 84% identified religion as an important contributor to the strength of their families. It should be noted that the, the same pattern appears to hold for African-American families as well. Parents who attended church frequently cited the significance of religion in rearing their children in providing moral guidelines. So let's turn toward marital satisfaction. Couples with long-lasting marriages indicate that the practice of religion is an important factor in marital happiness. Indeed, David Larson's systematic review indicate uh, that church attendance is the most important predictor of marital stability. Others have found the same result. Years ago, it was first noted that that very religious women achieved greater satisfaction in sexual intercourse with their with their husbands than do moderately religious or non-religious women. The the Sex in America study published in 1995 and and um and conducted by sociologists sociologists from the University of Chicago and the State University of New York at Stony Brook also showed very high sexual satisfaction amongst conservative religious women. From the standpoint of contemporary America media culture, this this may appear strange or even counterintuitive, but the empirical evidence is consistent. There's no denying it. Now let's turn toward divorce and cohabitation. Regular church attendance is the crucial factor in marital stability across denominations and overrides effects of doctrinal uh, teaching on divorce. For instance, black uh, Protestants and white Catholics who share similarly high church uh, attendance rates have been shown to have similarly low divorce rates. 
Furthermore, when marital separation occurs, reconciliation rates are higher among regular church attendees and, and highest when both spouses have the same high level of church attendance. Findings on, on the other end of the marital spectrum reinforce the point. In 1993, National Survey of 3,300 men aged 20 to 39 found that those who switch partners most are those with no religious convictions. So significantly, cohabilitation before marriage poses a high risk to latter marital stability. And, and premarital cohabilitation is much less common among religious Americans. The cohabilitation rate is seven times higher among persons. Yes, I said seven times higher among persons who seldom or never attend religious services compared with persons who frequently attend. And this is uh, from David Larson, again, of the National Institute of Healthcare Research. Furthermore, quote, if the mother frequently attended religious services, both sons and daughters were only 50% as likely to co- uh, cohabit as, as adult children whose mothers were not actively religious. Rockford Institute President Alan Carlson summarized the pattern. Quote, social scientists are discovering the continuing power of religion to protect the family from the forces that would tear it down, unquote. Now, if, if such a stable family life is linked closely to a lively religious life, as these studies indicate, then the peace and the happiness of the nation depend on significantly on, on a renewal of religious practices and belief. So let's look at religion and physical health. Could there be a link there as well? Well, the level of, of religious practice has been shown convincingly to be a key demographic predictor of physical health. As early as 1972, researchers from the John Hopkins, Johns Hopkins University School of Public Health found that, that cardiovascular diseases, the, the leading killer of old, older people, were reduced significantly in, in early old age by a, a lifetime of regular church attendance. By contrast, non-attendees had higher mortality rates for such uh, other diseases as um, uh, uh, cirrhosis of the liver, uh, emphysema, um, and, and others, in, in addition to other cardiovascular diseases and even suicide. Uh, research on mortality patterns among the poor um, confirmed a decade later that that those who went to church regularly lived longer. Since then, other studies have reinforced this general finding. And of course, all of these things are biblical, but that's beyond the point here. Uh, blood pressure, even they found a, a, a key factor in cardiovascular health is reduced significantly by regular church attendance. On average, by five millimeters of pressure. No, the, the, the health benefits of religious commitment uh, confined to, they aren't just confined to the cardiovascular system. In, in 19, 1987, a major review of 250 epidemiological health research studies, studies which examined the relationship between health and religion and measured such additional outcomes uh, as um, uh, 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 colitis and in cancers uh, uh, of many different types, the longevity measures included that in, in general, religious commitment improved health. In 1991, uh, a study in 1991 of two 
national samples also concluded the very same thing. So in, in what must be one of the most unusual experiments in, in medical history, and this, this would have been just really interesting to be a part of, Dr. Robert B. Purd, Bird, of, uh, he, he's, a, he's a, cardiolo- a cardiologist that, um, that was uh, with the University of California in San Francisco Medical School. He conducted a random sample, a double-blind study of the effects of prayer. Not by the patients, but for the patients. On the outcome of of cardiac surgery, the the study was published in 1982. None of the patients knew that they were being prayed for. None of the attending doctors and, and nurses knew who was being prayed for and who was not. And those praying had no personal contact with the patients before or during the experiment. Outcomes for the two sets of patients differed significantly. Those prayed for had noticeably fewer post-operative congestive heart failures, fewer cardiopulmonary rests, less pneumonia, and less need for antibiotics. Even just being prayed for was something that was significant in these outcomes. Now let's, let's turn to, to religion and social breakdown. Well, the practice of religion has, has beneficial effects on behavior and social relations, on, on illegitimacy, on crime and, and delinquency, on, on welfare dependency, on alcohol and, and drug abuse, suicide, uh, depression, and general self-esteem. When it comes to illegitimacy, one of the most powerful of all factors in preventing out-of-wedlock births is the regular practice of religious beliefs. Given the growing crisis in out-of-wedlock births, their effects, and the huge societal economic cost to, to national and state budgets, this should be, a, be of major interest to policymakers. The, the impact of religious practice on teenage sexual behavior also can be seen at the state level. States with higher levels uh, of aggregate religiousness have lower rates of teenage pregnancy, which I think everybody can agree is a good thing. In an important study published in 1987, a group of professors from the University of Georgia, Utah, and Wyoming found that the main cause of problematic adolescent sexual behaviors and attitudes is not only family dynamics and and processes, as previously thought, of course, but the absence of religious behavior and affiliation. They, they further concluded that healthy family dynamics and practices are themselves caused to be a powerful degree by the presence or the absence of religious beliefs and practices. The same result also holds true in international comparisons. It's not just this country. As, as with drugs, alcohol, and crime, the religious be- behavior of the mother is one of the strongest predictors of the daughter's sexual attitudes. One faith-based sex education course that that included both mothers and daughters, for example, was aimed specifically at reducing the teen pregnancy rate. The results were noticeably successful. Out-of-wedlock births among the at-risk population were almost eliminated entirely. So if we look at crime and, and delinquency, well, a review of the small, 
the, the small amount of research done on the relationship between crime and religion shows that states with more religious populations tend to have fewer homicides and fewer suicides. In a four-year longitudinal stratified uh, random uh, sample study of high school students in the Rocky Mountain region, published in 1975, demonstrated that religious involvement significantly decreased drug use. It significantly reduced delinquency and, and premarital sex, and also increased self-control. A 1989 study of the Midwestern high school students um, replicated these findings. Similarly, young religious adults in Canada were found in 1979 study to be less likely to use or sell narcotics, to gamble, or to destroy property. What is true for adult for for youth is also true for adults. Religious behavior, as as opposed to mere attitude or affiliation, is associated with reduced crime. This has been known in the social sciences literature for years, and in research conducted in the late 1980s, controlling for family, economic, and religious backgrounds. A research team from the University of Nevada found that black men who eventually ended up in prison and those who did not and those who did not um, come respectively from from two different groups, those who did not go to church or stopped going around 10 years of age and those who went regularly, this this failure of, of faith at the onset of adolescence parallels the pattern found among those who became alcoholics and drug addicts. So let's look at welfare dependency. In 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 his classic study, the the Protestant uh, ethic and spirit uh, of of capitalism, Max Weber, the the uh, preeminent German uh, sociologist uh, of, of the first half of the twentieth century demonstrated the connection between religious practice and financial well-being among Protestants. Other work on the same theme shows that this is not confined to Protestants, actually, but that it uh, applies across a, a longer period of history and across denominational lines. This link between religion and prosperity has important implications for the poor. In 1985, for instance, Richard B. Freeman of the National Bureau of Economic Research reported that uh, the church attendance is associated with substantial differences in the behavior of black male youths from poverty-stricken inner-city neighborhoods, and thus in their chances to escape from the inner-city poverty. Its effects, uh, allocation of time, uh, school going, work activity, and the frequency of social deviancy activity uh, were reduced. For, for, the, for the sake of the nation's future health, it is time to redirect public policies so that these two vast resources, instead, instead of being weakened further, can be rejuvenated and encouraged. Many of the goals of, of societal policy and social work can be attained in, indirectly and powerfully through the practice of religion. None of this invalidates education or social work, which of course operate at a different level of, of human condition. The practice of religion is, is good for individuals. It's good for families. It's good for states and the nation. It improves health, learning, economic and well-being, self-control, self-esteem, and, and empathy. In, it reduces the instances of, of social uh, 
pathologies uh, such as as out of wedlock births, crime, delinquency, drugs, alcohol addiction, uh, health problems, anxieties, and and prejudices. The, the founding fathers, in their in their passionate love of of freedom, promoted the freedom of all Americans to practice their religious beliefs. But Congress and the courts have crowded religion out of the public square. It's time to bring it back. Religious practice can and should be factored into the planning and debate of of, of the nation's urgent social problems. Americans cannot build their future without drawing on the strengths that come to them from the practice of their religious beliefs. The, the widespread practice of religious beliefs can only benefit the nation. And the, and the task of, of you know, reintegrating religious practice into American life while protecting and, and respecting the rights of non-practicing citizens is one of the nation's most important tasks. So let's, let's take a, a look at alcohol and, and drug abuse. The, the relationship between religious practices and moderate use of uh, or even avoidance of alcohol is, is well documented. Regardless of whether uh, denominational beliefs prohibit the use of alcohol, According to general studies, the higher the level of religious involvement, the less likely the use or abuse of alcohol. Persons who abuse alcohol rarely have a strong religious commitment. Robert Coombs uh, of, of the colleagues um, and, his, his, and his colleagues at the University of California at Los Angeles School of Medicine found that alcohol abuse is, get this, 300% higher among those who do not attend church. Yes, 300%. Drug and alcohol use is lowest in the most conservative religious denominations and highest in the non-religious groups, while liber uh, liberal church groups have use rates just slightly lower than those of non-religious groups. But, but, but for all groups, religious commitment um, you know, collates with, with the absence of drug abuse. So how about suicide? The, the, the practice of religion reduces the rate of suicide, both in the United States and abroad. In fact, the rate of church attendance predicts the suicide rate better than any other factor. Those who attend church frequently are four times less likely to commit suicide than those who never attended. Conversely, the national decline in church attendance is associated with the heightened suicide rate. Fluctuations in church attendance rates in the 1970s paralleled the suicide rates for different subgroups, whites, blacks, men, and women. And it even extends to, de to depression. Re religion appears to reduce the instances of, of depression among those with medical problems. For instance, University of, of Michigan professor and social, uh, sociological uh, professor David Williams conducted a randomized survey of 720 adults suffering from leg and hip injuries in the New Haven, Connecticut area in 1990. Those who attended religious services regularly were less depressed and less stressed by life events than those who did not. This finding held across age, race, social and economic status, educational attainment, and religious affiliation. Religious affiliation alone did not have these effects, but religious behavior did. Young people also tend to experience fewer 
of anxieties of, of growing up if they are religious. For instance, both male and female Texas high schoolers found that religious beliefs gave meaning to their lives and reduced the instances of depression among them. And, and then it goes right into self-esteem. Significant self-esteem uh, uh, is linked to a person's image of God. Those with high self-esteem think of God primarily, primarily as loving, while those with low self-esteem think of God primarily as punitive. This was observed by Carl Jung, one of the most influential pioneers of modern psychology and psychotherapy. Uh, quote, among all my patients in the second half of my life, there, was, there has not been one whose problem in the last resort was not that of finding a religious outlook on life. It is safe to say that every one of them fell ill because he had lost that which the living religions of every age have given their followers, and none of them has been really healed who did not regain his religious outlook. Unquote. So, understanding intrinsic and, and, and extrinsic religious behavior. Recent um, advances in the investigation of religious behavior have led social scientists to distinguish between two distinct categories or orientations, intrinsic and extrinsic. Intrinsic practice uh, is God-oriented and based on beliefs which transcend the, the person's own existence. Research shows this form of religious practice is, is definitely beneficial. Now, extrinsic uh, practice is self-oriented and characterized by outward uh, observance, not uh, not internalized as a guide to behavior or attitudes. The evidence suggests this form of religious practice is actually more harmful than no religion at all. Religion uh, directed towards some end other than God or the transient, um, you know, typically uh, degenerates into a, a rationalization for the pursuit of other ends, such as status or personal security or self-justification or social ability. There is a radical difference between what religious people know to be, um, to be conversion of the spirit or the heart and simply conforming external behavior for its own sake or for you know, beliefs derived from religious behavior. And obviously if you, if you internalize what, what, um, you know, what God is doing, if, 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 if it's a, if it's something you, you truly believe instead of something you're just doing out of obligation, it's, it's going to make the difference. So let, let, let's conclude with this. The, the available evidence clearly demonstrates that regular religious practice is both an individual and social good. It is a powerful answer to many of our significant social problems, some of which, including out-of-wedlock births, have reached catastrophic proportions. Furthermore, it is available to all, and guess what? At no cost. America is at a crossroads. For, for the sake of the nation's future health, it is time to redirect public policy so, so to encourage religious participation so people can be rejuvenated and encouraged. Many of the goals of so, uh, social policy and social work can be attained indirectly and powerfully, through the practice of religion. None of this invalidates education or social work, which operate on, of course, a different level. The practice of religion is, is good for individuals, families, states, and nations. 
it it proves it improves health it, it improves learning economic well-being self-control self-esteem and empathy it reduces the 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 instances of social uh, pathologies such as out of wedlock births crime delinquency drugs alcohol addiction health problems anxieties and and prejudices the founding fathers in their passionate love for freedom promoted all of this and it's time for us to continue that the widespread practice of religious beliefs can only benefit the nation and the task of of of, of reintegrating religious practice into american life while protecting the rights of those that don't believe now get this this article was written in january 25th of 1996 is it not even more relevant today I think that this illustrates that all this is, is a spiritual war. And there is profit and there is power in making a society of people dependent, not independent. I will put the link to, to this article, which includes all the statistical links uh, that you can look at. You, you may have, have uh, heard me today and, and thought, wow, that, that, how can that be true? That doesn't make much sense. Where's your evidence? All of it is, is, uh, is recorded. You can look for it yourself, and I'll put that uh, description uh, right there uh, and that link in the description. So uh, again, you, you, may, you, you may completely disagree with me on this, but I would love for this to be a conversation starter. And you can always do that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.